Good morning, Converge Nation. Welcome to our Sunday morning worship experience right here at Converge Online. Listen, we are honored and humbled that you chose to make us a part of your weekend worship experience, and here's why. We know that you have a plethora of options when it comes to where you can connect digitally, where you can connect virtually. Listen, we're blessed and honored and thankful that you have chosen Converge Church this morning, a place, a community of faith where Jesus' people and culture intersect, where faith and culture collide. Listen, uh, we're growing. Our online community is growing. In fact, our tech team advised us that last Sunday, listen to this, last Sunday we had 18 joining us from Ireland. That just blows my mind because I don't know anybody in Ireland, but we're honored that somehow they heard about us and they connected with us. Listen, if you're joining again from Ireland, just put a little comment in the chat box, uh, the comment section, so we know that you're, you're joining us again. And listen, wherever you're worshiping from, you might be connecting with us from right here in the DFW, uh, the DFW Metroplex. We want you to say where you're worshiping from, McKinney, Frisco, Little Elm, The Colony, Grand Prairie, Grapevine, DeSoto, Prosper, Salina. Listen, wherever you are right now, locally or globally, just put a note and just say, hey, joining from XYZ. This is your boy, Pastor Ray, lead pastor of Converge Church. Uh, one of the, the most exciting things that I get to do in life is to lead such an amazing, life-giving community of faith alongside my mocha princess, my spicy rib. Come on, somebody. Spicy rib. And listen, that's that dry rub. Come on. She got that dry rub. My Listen, my mocha princess, my chocolate wonder. It's a great honor. She ain't here right now. That's why I'm saying all of that. Love you, baby. Love you. But I digress. Listen, listen. Yo, bring it back in. Woosai. Let's keep it holy this morning in Jesus' name. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, today, today we also like to invite you to be a part of our communion uh, uh, experience. Uh, it's one of our traditions here at Converge Church. We set aside the first Sunday of every month to honor the Lord's table and remember uh, Jesus' vicarious and sacrificial death on the cross uh, for us. So this is what we want you to do. Hey, look, grab your favorite fruit juice. All right. It might be apple. It might be orange. It might be cranberry. I'm a cranberry dude myself. Every variety and variation of it. Cran grape, cran apple, cran pomegranate, cran mango, cran tropical. Y'all didn't know they had that many options. Original cranberry. Come on, Bubba Gump. I sound like Bubba Gump right now. Grilled shrimp, baked shrimp, fried shrimp, shrimp casserole, Shrimp scampi. Listen, check this out. <laughs> I'm on a roll this morning, but that's all right. Listen, Converge Nation, laughter doeth good like a medicine. So this morning, uh, we're, 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 this is the, the, the series finale of Faith Over Fear. Uh, we pray that the messages we've shared over the last several weeks have encouraged you. They've inspired you. Uh, they've kept you lifted up and uh and in good spirits. And, and here's why we have that confidence. Paul writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 10, I believe it is. And he says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as you have heard the word over the last several weeks, we believe that faith has been built up in your hearts so that you can constantly and consistently choose faith over fear, that you can choose Christ over COVID-19. 
19. Uh, and before we pray and dive into the word, I just want to say thanks to everyone who has made uh, this uh, broadcast possible. Our tech team, our media team, our marketing team, uh, everyone working behind the scenes, uh, all of you for connecting with us. And uh, again, I would be remiss if we did not uh, acknowledge all those on the front lines, uh, our nurses, our doctors, our medical practitioners, even law enforcement, researchers uh, doing the work behind the scenes in, in the labs, um, uh, just the subject matter experts who are working uh, around the clock to bring a speedy resolution to uh, this COVID-19 pandemic. We honor you, we celebrate you, uh, and we thank you for your selfless service and sacrifice during these uncertain times. Uh, but let's let's turn to what we know is certain, and that is the word of God. The psalmist said, the flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of God, it shall abide forever. In these uncertain times, it's critically important that we turn to the one thing that is certain, unchanging, immutable, and infallible. That is the word of God, written and authored by an unchanging God, who just happens, listen to me, to be your heavenly father, who just happens to be both the author and the finisher of your faith. Let's pray and then we'll dive into the word together as we bring the series to a close, to a culmination together in Jesus' name. Father, we come to you now in that name that is above every other name, the mighty matchless name of Jesus. Father, we approach your word with great honor and reverence now. And Lord, we pray that as we hear your word, we will not just be hearers of your word alone, but God, you would cause us to be faithful, diligent doers of your word. I thank you, Father, that your word never, it shall not, it cannot, it will not return unto you void, but it will it shall prosper in the thing where unto it is sent. So Lord, we declare that your word prospers in our hearts, that this morning your word will fall upon good soil and it will bear much fruit in Jesus name. Amen and amen. All right. So listen, we're going to look to the text. Our anchor text is lifted from Luke chapter 8, and we're picking up this conversation almost mid-sentence. If you joined us last week, I said that I would continue this week where we left off last week. The last week's message was through the storm, and we discovered another side of Jesus uh, that at least the disciples had not seen. They had seen Jesus heal the sick. Uh, they had heard his his profundity, right? His gospel was simple, but it was also profound. So they knew him as a, as a brilliant rabbi, as a brilliant teacher of the word, as a masterful wordsmith, as a creative communicator. Again, they had seen him as a healer. Uh, they had yet to see him as a Lord or as the Lord who could speak to both wind and wave and it obey him uh, with a word. Peace, be still, and he commanded the winds and the waves, and they were still. You see, I've discovered that sometimes God allows us to go through a storm so we can discover something of God that we have not known up until that point. Remember, God never wastes our pain. There's always purpose to our pain, and God has a plan as he brings us through every storm because everything that our God does is both intentional and deliberate. It's never random haphazard or unintentional. So he 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 the the, the he instructs the disciples to climb into this boat 
as they're going across uh, the, uh, the, the lake uh, uh, from Galilee to the, the, the region called Gadarenes, which was directly across uh, from Galilee, this squall, this sudden violent windstorm erupts and his disciples are sore afraid. Remember, we said last week that storms come for one or two reasons. Number one, they cause us to question what God said. Remember, Jesus said before the storm, let's go to the other side. Whatever Jesus said before the storm is still true, uh, before the storm, during, and after the storm. The second thing that storms come to do is they tempt us to question whether God really cares. You see, uh, I believe that most of us struggle when it comes to our faith walk and our faith experiences, not with God's ability we recognize that God is all-powerful, that he can do all things, that nothing is impossible to him. Sometimes what we wrestle with is not his ability, it's actually his willingness. We ask ourselves the question, God, are you willing? And not just are you willing, sometimes we go a step further and say, God, are you willing to do it for little old me? And so what the, the, the disciples are grappling with, what they're wrestling with in this boat, in the midst of the storm, is not necessarily his ability, because the question betrays what they're thinking. And the question is, Master, don't you care that we perish? They're questioning how much he cares. It's not a question of his ability. What they're wrestling with is the question of his attentiveness. And can I say to you this morning, Converge Nation, that our God is not just able, he is attentive. In fact, the scripture declares that he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Uh, so he is intimately acquainted with everything that you're going through, experiencing, dealing with right now. And he doesn't only know the God we serve, the God we follow cares deeply. But remember what we said last week, uh, the storm that you're going through and the operative word is through. All right. So if you're going through a storm, don't stop because he's taking you through the fire. He's taking you through the flood. Now, going through, going through infers, listen to this, the fact that you are going through a storm infers, listen to this, it infers that he's taking you to something. You're going through because you are going to. And that's where today's message picks up. I've chosen for today's message a simple title, He Knows My Name. In fact, say that with me and personalize it. He knows my name. He knows my name. In fact, he declared in the, in the prophet Isaiah, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. When it comes to our heavenly father, you are not just a face in the crowd. He knows you by name. He is intimately acquainted with all your ways. You're rising up and you're sitting down every moment, not just your joys, but even your struggles, even your losses your anxieties and your laughter. He is intimately acquainted with every moment of your life. But Jesus brings these 12 men, his understudies, his apprentices, his disciples, his Talmudim. He brings them across the lake from Galilee to the Gadarenes intentionally, intentionally, deliberately and on purpose because he's taking them through something in order to bring them to something. And in everything he's bringing them through, Jesus is strategically and methodically 
revealing another facet of his person, another facet of his mission and his mandate. So here we are. The narrative picks up in Luke, the eighth chapter, beginning at verse 26. I, my preferred uh, translation is the New King James Version. Uh, so if you have it, join me in the New King James Version. We'll also have the text on the lower thirds of the screen. You can join us there. Uh, if you have your mobile device, you can join us there as well. And then we're also on U Version. All of our sermon notes are captured there on U Version. All right, so here we go. Luke chapter number uh, eight, beginning at verse 26. Uh, then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes. This is after Jesus quiets the storm. They continue their journey, uh, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, notice, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. Listen, <laughs> uh, the, the, what I love about this account is the fact that Jesus, as busy as he was as a rabbi, as a mentor, as an itinerant preacher, as an evangelist, uh, took the time to bring 12 men across the lake to Gadarenes for one. I want you to hear that. Jesus went out of his way to do what he did for one. He brought them through this storm. He brought them through all this trouble for one man who would meet them on the banks, on the shores of Gadarenes. But this was not just any man. In fact, the scripture says this was a certain man who had been troubled with demons. I want to go a step further and say that Jesus didn't only come to seek and save that which was lost, Jesus came also for the least of these. And I don't know where you find yourself this morning, beloved. You may find yourself on the other side of the lake called Gennesaret. You may find yourself somewhere opposite Galilee where Jesus is, where Jesus was. But may I submit to you that Jesus is willing and right now he's moving from Galilee toward Gadarenes just for you. He's going to leave what he's been up to. He's going to interrupt, may I say disrupt his agenda, his itinerary, just to find you. And let me talk about the you. Let me, let me, let me clarify the you that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the imperfect version of you. I'm talking about the you that you truly are. Not the image that everyone else sees, but the, the identity that you sometimes hide. I'm talking about the broken version of you. Because when Jesus shows up at Gadarenes, he's not met by a beauty queen. He's not met uh, by that guy who was voted most likely to succeed. Jesus is met by an underdog. In fact, an underdog would be an understatement because the man who meets Jesus and his disciples is a demoniac. He is a man who is demon-possessed. He is a man who is marginalized. 
He is a man who was ostracized by society. He lives in isolation. He lives in desperation and no one will come to his aid. But this is the kind of person that Jesus leaves everything to find. Jesus brings his disciples through to bring them to a man who is unloved, a man who is abandoned. And I don't know where you are today in the midst of COVID-19. Maybe you look at your life. You look at your history, you look at your story, you look at your testimony, and all that you can remember are the broken places, the bad decisions, the bad choices that have landed you in this place, this lonely place, this place of isolation, this place of rejection. But Jesus, right now, in this moment, is leaving Galilee to find you on the shores of Gadarenes. The text picks up, picks up and it, it gets very uh, uh, descriptive. Uh, I would venture to say even explicit. And it says, and he wore no clothes. Listen, <laughs> this guy was butt naked in the wind to borrow from my dude, Bernie Mac, bucket naked. He was bucket naked. <laughs> Let me bring it back down. Come on, somebody. He was bucket naked. Listen, nor did he live in a house homeless, naked, but in the tombs, in the tombs. And I think the scripture goes to these lengths to give us an, uh, an appreciation for this man's condition. Yet Jesus goes through all this trouble to come to this one. You see, the beauty of the gospel and when we say that Converge Church is a church that is intentionally given to becoming the kind of church where Jesus, people, and purpose intersect, it's these stories that animate those words. It's these stories that give life and, 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 and make these that vision statement come alive. Because everywhere Jesus went, there were people. And he was constantly, consistently pointing them back to their God-ordained purpose. And you've heard me, if you've heard me say it once, you've heard me quote Miles Monroe a thousand times, where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. And here's Jesus, who's about to encounter a man who has lost sight of his God-given purpose, who is now abusing his life. He's abusing his time. He's abusing his talent. He's abusing his treasure. But that's where Jesus shows up. And may I inform you, may I submit to you this morning, Converge Nation, that Jesus didn't just come for the up and out, Zacchaeus, who was desperate for Jesus, so desperate that he climbed up a tree, outran the crowd. This wealthy tax collector was so desperate for Jesus that he outran the cl crowd, climbed up a tree and waited for Jesus. Jesus didn't come for the, just the up and out like Zacchaeus. He also came for the down and out because that day in Jericho, Zacchaeus, the reason he even ran up the tree was he heard what Jesus had done for someone who was down and out, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. You see, Jesus, wherever Jesus was, there was an intersection, a collision of faith and culture. Wherever Jesus was, there was an intersection of Jesus' people and purpose, and it's happening right here, right now. And Jesus wants to do that in your life. And maybe he wants to use COVID-19 as your defining moment in your season of isolation, in your season of sheltering in place, 
maybe you've been suffering in silence in your in your tomb of self-quarantine. This man lived in a physical tomb where it was a lot like a cemetery with dead people, with dead things, a constant reminder of what could have been, a constant reminder of unfulfilled potential. That's where he made his home. Listen, listen, Converge Nation. He became comfortable in the place of unfulfilled potential. And you might feel that way this morning in your own life personally. Listen, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming right where you are to your place of isolation, to your place of self-quarantine, to the place where dead things have become comfortable. Notice what the text says. Uh, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, what am I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Listen, this is the man speaking. This is what the man said. Jesus, your kind don't mix with my kind. You're a holy man. You're a good man. And again, I know he was demon possessed. And so maybe what he's articulating is not his own words. It may be inspired by the demonic presence that had overtaken and overrun his life. But listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. He says, what have I to do with you, Jesus? Man, there's so many other people that you should be helping. Because mine is a lost cause. Why, why, why would you even bother to stop? In fact, if you stop, you could only be stopping for one reason, to torment me. Because religious leaders of the day, Pharisees, Sadducees, made no room for people like this demoniac. And can I say that most people in our world have a similar impression of religious people, have a similar uh, a sense of the church? Uh, in my church, they've heard me say this repeatedly, but for those of you who are new to Converge, uh, it bears repeating, and, and maybe this is the first time you've heard this, but listen, we have done a lousy job as Jesus' PR firm. We have misrepresented who Jesus is, why he came, his motives, his mission, his mandate, and unfortunately, all the world has seen is a, is a horrible misrepresentation of who Jesus is. No wonder this demoniac said, look, man, don't torment me because I know how your Christians are. You come in with a Bible to beat me over the head and tell me about all the things I've done wrong. Jesus, you and I, we don't mix, man. We ain't got nothing to talk about. But that is such, such a misrepresentation. And unfortunately, this is what most people think about the church. In fact, one person said, listen, your life speaks so loud I can't hear what you're saying. That means when people encounter a Christ follower, they look at how we live and how we treat each other, that what we say is of no effect. It nullifies and negates everything we have to say about how good Jesus is. Like, well, how about Jesus be good to you first? Listen, St. Francis of Assisi said it this way, uh, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. In fact, it's the reason, it's the reason that Mahatma Gandhi said these words, and let me find it in my notes concerning uh, Christians. Uh, I can't find it, but he said something to the effect, I love your Christ, 
It's your Christians I don't like. Your Christians are so unlike Christ. Well, listen, listen. Where did Mahatma Gandhi even get this idea of passive, passive resistance? That became sort of the hallmark and, and, and the defining uh, 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 method of his, his uh, revolution. He got it from Jesus, turning the other cheek, going the extra mile. Mahatma Gandhi got it from Christ. But his Christians, his followers, was such a horrible representation of Christ that he said, man, I can't get down with what y'all put. I can't pick up what y'all putting down. And so it's no wonder that the demoniac, when he comes face to face with Jesus, thinks that Jesus is there to torment him. Listen, Converge Nation, God is calling us to be a different kind of church. He's calling us to be the kind of church that will go out of our way, go through the storm, go through the fire for one of the least of these, a demoniac of Gadarenes. I wish I had the liberty to tell you something that God, a tremendous opportunity that God is giving our church to minister to the least of these. And in time, in time, we'll tell you about it because God is truly giving us a unique opportunity, a miracle that God performed for us, for our church in this season to minister to tomb dwellers. We'll tell you a little bit about it in the weeks and months to come. So where are we? We're in verse number 29. It says, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him and was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Listen, the scripture is giving us a picture of how desperate this man's condition is. Listen, no matter where you are, no matter what you're navigating, struggling through. I think this is actually very appropriate that I say this because in the midst of COVID-19, uh, uh, domestic violence is up. Uh, pornography use is up. Alcohol consumption is up. Drug use is up because people in the midst of this difficult situation are looking for relief. They're looking for relief. And maybe you find yourself going back to the things you walked away from because the pressure of this season and the pressure of this moment has overwhelmed you and you're looking for relief. Can I just say this to you, beloved, with the love of Christ? Don't allow the enemy to deceive you with relief. What God wants to bring you into is resolution. He wants to res resolve the things that have been haunting you. He wants to resolve the things that have broken you. He doesn't only want you to experience temporary relief. Because relief is part of that vicious cycle. That vicious cycle where you will go back and you will repeat the destructive behavior because the destructive behavior brings temporary relief. And when the relief wears off, you return and it becomes a vicious cycle. Jesus wants to resolve everything that has broken you and that has held you bound. And the reason he left Galilee to come to Gadarenes is to set you free. Right now in the midst of COVID-19, Jesus this morning wants to offer you not just 
relief. He wants to offer you resolution and he wants to give you redemption. That's why he went to the cross. And that's why 1 John 3 and 8 says, For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And he wants to do it. He wants to break every chain that has held you bound in this COVID-19. And so if you have reverted, if you've gone back to the things that held you bound, Jesus identifies with you. And he's coming to find you today. Not just to give you relief, but to give you resolve and to give you resolution. Uh, so in verse 30, Jesus asked the man his name. I, I love that. And that's why we call this, this message, he knows my name. <laughs> May I submit to you, the reason Jesus asked the man for his name is not because he didn't know his name, because if it's true that Jesus is God incarnate, that if he is the word made flesh, then Jesus, like his heavenly father, for in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And verse 14 of John 1 says the word became flesh. If these things are true and they are, then Jesus would have known this man's name being omniscient. And so he asked the man, what's your name? Now, again, I don't have time to get into demonology. That's a whole nother message. But notice the response. And he said, Legion, Legion, Legion. <laughs> That's pretty good, eh? I did that without no auto-tune. Passer got skills. Legion, Legion. I like that. Listen, uh, now the scripture says, because many demons, listen, many demons had entered him. Again, the scripture goes to great lengths to give us a glimpse of this man's situation, his condition. And notice what it says. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Can I just give you a couple of things real quick, real quick? What matters most in life? It's not what people call you. What matters most is what you're answering to. Yeah, yeah. For this man... Everybody saw a demoniac. Everybody had named and labeled him a demoniac. But when Jesus saw this man, he saw a man who bore the mark of God, who bore the fingerprint of God. And may I say to you this morning, Converge Nation, may I say to you this morning, beloved, that you bear the mark of God, the inscription of God. You bear the image of God. That's what he sees. He doesn't see a legion of demons. He, see a man, he sees a man who desperately needs deliverance. Uh, oh, here's the other one I find interesting. Listen, listen. Whose voice will you allow to speak for you? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Because Jesus asked the man, but notice who answered, the demons. Jesus asked the man, what's your name? Notice who answered, the demons. And I think if we're not careful, we will allow the demons, the skeletons in our closet to speak for us. They will try to define us. They will project to the world who we really are. Our failures, our disappointments, our baggage, our past, our bad choices. And sometimes, listen, I've pastored long enough and I've been a Christian long enough to know that there are moments in our gathering seasons when we allow the enemy to speak for us. 
instead of allowing Jesus to reveal who we really are. The good news this morning, Converse Nation, is that you aren't who you, who you think you are. You're not even who other people think you are or say you are. Listen, you're not even who you think other people think you are. Listen, beloved, you are who God says you are. And you are so much more than your last bad decision, than your last failure, your last shortcoming, your last offensive action. Because listen, that's what the enemy wants to do. His name, Satan, Satan, means accuser. He is the accuser of the brethren. And if you let the wrong voice speak for you, if you let him say, Legion, if you let him define who you are, listen, everybody is going to miss out on who you were created to be, including yourself. And so Jesus comes to this man, not because he needs to know who this man is, but because he needs for this man to see who he really is. You're not just a, a house in Amityville for demons to abide. Come on, I'm getting the flashback on all them horror movies I watched growing up. You're not just a tabernacle for a legion of demons. There's God created you for so much more. And I know that society has ostracized you, but I've got a plan for you. Listen, God wants to call you by name. Satan wants to define you by your shame. <laughs> I'll say that again. God wants to call you by name. And that's what he said about Israel. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. And sometimes the world might call you Simon, but Jesus sees Peter. The world might call you Simon a pebble, but God sees Peter a rock. <laughs> the world might call you uh, uh, Jacob, deceiver, trickster. But God might see Israel, a prince who has power with God and prevails. God wants to call you by your name. The devil wants to define you by your shame. So be careful who you allow to speak for you. Uh, Jesus, recognizing that, goes a step further. Uh, and again, verses 32 tell us about what happened. Jesus cast out the devil I ain't care. I don't, I'm not concerned this morning about the devils, man, that have been tormenting this man. What I'm more concerned about is the fact that Jesus came and he found this man. So guess what? We are politely going to skip over verses 32 and 33. If you want to read them, by all means, be my guest. <laughs> Verse 34, though, is where we're going to land this plane. Notice, when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and they came to Jesus, notice, and found the man from whom the demons had departed. This man set free. This man is not experiencing relief from demonic activity, demonic oppression, demonic possession. He has experienced redemption in Christ. <laughs> and notice what they saw when they found the man. They found him sitting. Come on, somebody, at the feet of Jesus. Remember, this was a guy who could not be restrained. They bound him with shackles and he would break them. <laughs> Incredible Hulk. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. Come on, somebody. Your boy got skills. 
Y'all see that? Y'all see that? Your boy got skills. We break the chains. But now, after this encounter with Jesus, this defining moment with Jesus, he is now sitting at the feet of Jesus. Number two, he's clothed. And number three, he's in his right mind. Listen, when Jesus visits your gatherings, his redemption and his restoration of every broken place in your life is holistic. He leaves no stone unturned. Listen, this man, first of all, was sitting at Jesus' feet. That declares to us, that informs us that Jesus cares about the whole person. Everything about your life, Jesus cares about. Notice the first thing, his spirit, that the man was sitting. But in order for the man to sit, he had to be at rest on the inside. This new life that Christ offers us begins with our surrender and our submission to his lordship. The fact that this man was sitting informs us that this demoniac was now in a place of surrender and submission because he had made Jesus Lord. I don't know what you've been struggling with, what's tormented you, but the beginning of this walk with Jesus is for you to find yourself sitting. It is a position of submission and surrender. In fact, I love what Tyler Perry said. He said, sometimes the quickest way to victory is surrender. And what he was speaking about is not surrendering to your trouble, resigning to your affliction, but surrendering to Christ. The quickest way to victory is surrender to Christ. And that's why John wrote in 1 John, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith in whom? Our faith in him. Number two, they found him clothed. Listen, what did Bernie Mac say this guy was? Bucking naked. Listen, Jesus where did they find the clothes from? Guess what? Somebody in Jesus' entourage took off their robe, took off their tunic and clothed this man and met his physical need. Because Jesus isn't just concerned about the redemption of your spirit. He's also concerned about meeting your physical and material needs. That's why he took them through the storm to minister to someone who had been rejected so that he could minister to his spiritual needs, his physical need. And now notice, he was also in his right mind. Listen, I don't know what's been tormenting you in your thought life, what anxious thoughts have overtaken your peace. Jesus wants to restore you to your right mind because the Jesus we serve and the Jesus to whom we belong is cared about every aspect of who you are. But it doesn't only end there because this demoniac of gatherings now is about to discover his God-given purpose. Up until now, he's roamed the tombs of gatherings. But notice verse 36. I'm sorry, verse 38. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with them. <laughs> but Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house. <laughs> ah, that place they kicked you out of, that place that turned their back on you, that house, maybe that once was yours. Go back to your wife, man. Go back to your children. Go back to your family. Return to your own house. <laughs> I want them to see it firsthand. 
I want those closest to, to you who knew you best to be the first witnesses of this miracle. Listen, I prophesy to someone listening to you today, there will be absolutely no trace of who you once were, the addictions and the bad choices and the bad behaviors broken today in Jesus' name because of your encounter with Christ. Go back to your house. Return to your house and notice what else it said. And tell what great things God has done for you. Listen, God's plan for this man's life was not just the redemption of his souls, his soul, but he wanted to, to bring him back into alignment with God's divine purpose for his life. He said, go to your house, tell him what God has done for you. And notice the man's response. He went his way, proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things God had done for him. This is where we close, guys. Come on, somebody. One closing. Your boy got skills. One closing. Listen. Uh, when you read uh, the text, you'll find out that this was not just one city he went to. He went to the region of Decapolis. Deca means 10. He went into the region of Gadarenes. He went into Decapolis, 10 cities, listen to me, and proclaimed Jesus. He wanted to follow Jesus and become one of his disciples. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Here's my plan and here's my purpose for your life. You're going to go back home. You're going to make things right at your crib first. And then you're going to tell everybody what good things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion upon you. And this man took that mandate, that assignment. He stands now in the office of an evangelist and he proclaims Jesus to 10 cities. And the miracle was undeniable because this was the guy who once was naked, impossible to restrain, living in tombs that was now sitting clothed in his right mind who had become an evangelist to the Gadarenes Metroplex. Listen, Jesus wants to do the same thing for you right where you are. And I'm going to pray for you now that God does exactly that for you. I don't know where you're watching from, right here in the United States, somewhere in North America, maybe Canada or Mexico. You might be watching from South or Central America. You might be watching again from Ireland or somewhere in Europe, somewhere in Africa, maybe in Australia. Somewhere, this is your God moment. And God wants to do for you what he did for the demoniac of Gadarenes. And everything that has tormented you will today set you free as you submit and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Let me pray for you. In fact, Converge Nation, pray this prayer with me as we pray for those who are coming into relationship with Jesus today. Dear God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I acknowledge that I desperately need you. Lord, you know everything about me. You know the worst about me, but you still love me. And Lord, I thank you for your overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Lord, there's no mountain you won't climb up. Father, there's no door you won't break down to get to me. So Lord, 
I receive your love this morning. I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I need your grace. Thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. And on the third day, you rose from the dead and you sit at the right hand of God the Father. Thank you for loving me beyond my shame, beyond my pain, and for calling me by my name. I thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer this morning, we want to be available to you. We have some resources we want to send to you no matter where you are in the world. We want to be your V family. We want to be your virtual family. We want to be your church home. Send us an email today at info at weareconverged.com. Again, no matter where you're watching from, if you prayed that prayer, we have some resources we'd like to send to you to jumpstart your relationship with Jesus. Uh, also, if you don't have a church home, but you found a home right here online with Converge over the last several weeks. We want to pastor you. We want to serve you. We want to be your church home, albeit virtually. We can still call you. We can still pray for you. Uh, we can still be there for you. If that's you, contact us, info at We Are Converge Church, and say, look, I need a family of faith that's going to love me uh, like you guys taught today the way Jesus wants to love us. We want to serve you and your family and invite you to be a part of our VFAM, our virtual family. Without further ado, we're going to take this time and celebrate communion together. Check this out. Nobody else is in this room, so I don't have my elements, but I will celebrate communion with my family at home this morning while we're watching this. If you'll take the cup, I'm sorry, if you'll take the emblem of the broken body, the bread or your wafer where you are. I want to speak a blessing over it. Uh, remember, the, the bread symbolizes the broken body of Jesus. And his body was bludgeoned. It was broken uh, for us. That's the price that Jesus paid. An innocent man who became our uh, intercessor, our mediator, uh, who went to the cross on our behalf. So, Lord, we thank you that on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread and you said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, and as often as you eat of it, you do it in remembrance of me. Lord, I thank you that the symbol, the emblem of your broken body is blessed to our bodies and our lives to your service in Jesus' name. And as we eat of this bread, we eat healing. We receive strength and wholeness in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Take now the cup and let's celebrate together the cup of the Lord. Jesus said, again, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is recording the words of Jesus who took the cup on the same night he was betrayed and also said, this is my blood which is shed for you. Uh, as often as, as you drink of this cup, you do this in remembrance of me. And so this morning, Lord, we thank you that we remember the ultimate price that you paid on the cross for our sins. Thank you that by your stripes we are healed, that there's still power in the blood, power to cleanse us and to make us whole. Father, we receive health and healing and wholeness, that there will not be one feeble among us. You COVID-19 proof our lives from every infectious disease, every debilitating disease, 
all of the pestilence recorded in Psalm 91. Father, no hurt, harm, or danger nigh our dwelling because we are quarantined under the blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Take now and drink of the cup. And as you do, we just want to remind you that next Sunday is Mother's Day. Pastor Wendy has a phenomenal word prepared for you, not just the, the ladies, not just the sisters, not just the daughters, not just the mothers, not just for the wives. It's for every woman and those that love them. That means your husband, your children, your spouse, your siblings. It's a word for everyone. So make sure you tune in next Sunday, May 10th for Mother's Day. And then after Mother's Day, beginning May 17th, I will start a brand new sermon series called After These Things. Listen, there is life and there is hope after COVID-19. This ain't the end of it, man. This ain't the end. And we need to be strategic and intentional, begin planning for what life will look like beyond COVID-19. And that is a recurring phrase in all of scripture, after these things things. What's your after these things going to look like? Amen. Last thing I'm going to say, I meant to say it in the sermon. Uh, I didn't say it, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Nelson Mandela quote, when Jesus sends the demoniac back to his family, I think this is why it's important. Nelson Mandela said it this way, and these, this will be our, our parting words. It says, there is nothing like returning to a place that remains unchanged to find the ways in which you yourself have altered. Listen, for that person who prayed this prayer, God is sending you back to that place that hasn't changed only to reveal how much you yourself have altered and been transformed by the power and the love of Jesus. God bless you, Converge. We'll see you right here next Sunday as we celebrate Mother's Day together. God bless you.